Day 16. When I was looking up the verse on God binding up our wounds, which I quoted the other day, some other verses appeared in the search bar. They were also about God binding up wounds, but they were more difficult because they speak about those wounds having been inflicted by God. Isaiah looks forward to a day when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. Hosea calls the people to return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will also bind up our wounds. As I was reflecting on my difficulties with the idea of God inflicting wounds, it occurred to me that the 20 wounds I currently have did not get there by accident. They were inflicted on me by a surgeon. This was done out of his commitment to restore me to full health. As we discussed my need for surgery, and later when he revealed his preferred plan to put me in my titanium cage, he told me things that I would have preferred not to hear. He has done things to me that I would rather not have happened, but he is keeping tabs on me and has arranged wound care through the nursing service. Job speaks of the value of correction and discipline and connects them to the idea of wounding and healing. Blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds but he also binds up. He injures but his hands also heal. God's love for his people is not empty sentiment. Proverbs picks up a similar idea in human relationships. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The wounds of a friend are faithful because they seek to correct out of love and concern. Someone who flatters or deceives to further their own agenda is not operating out of love. But we also need to be very careful that we do not conclude from this that all suffering, disease, illness or wounds come from God and are indicative of judgment. This is a mistake that Job's friends made and is a misconception which Jesus directly addresses when asked about the collapse of the Tower of Siloam. I don't just want to feel better. <laughs> Actually, today I feel okay. I want to get better physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Today, I'm thankful for all who have shown me some tough love in my life when I have needed it most, and I'm thankful for extra time and space to think and receive healing and care. I'm also thankful for being able to navigate to the small deck outside the back door to have lunch in the sun. Another first. In Psalm 16, David again starts with a request. He asks to be kept safe and once again takes refuge in God. Choosing where to seek safety and security is not a decision that is taken once. It is a repeated choice as he faces waves of danger. He repeatedly makes the same decision to take refuge in God. David has good reason for this. 
His life experience has taught him that God is the source of all good things. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David has made a decision not to be seduced and run after other gods. He knows that those who do will suffer more and more. He is determined to have nothing to do with these other gods. He will not pour out a drink as an offering or pray to these deities. He knows that God will delight in his holy people, those who are committed to him. These are the noble ones in whom God delights. Apart from his relationship with the Lord, he has nothing good. God is his portion and his cup. God makes his lot secure. David understands that God's provision and protection go together that God supplies all he needs and he can say with confidence that the boundary lines have fallen for him in pleasant places. Often boundaries cause discontent. The phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, is rooted in the notion of looking enviously over the boundary line at what our neighbour has. This desire for more shifts our focus to what we do not have and is what the false gods and their emissaries use to lure and ensnare us with empty promises. Because David understands the goodness of God, he looks in to what he has with gratitude. He declares that he has a delightful inheritance. Even facing the dangers and challenges that threaten his position and his life, David is able to appreciate and affirm the security and blessing he enjoys with God. David has previously sung about weeping through the night. Here he speaks with confidence about a different experience through the night. God counsels him. Even at night his heart instructs him. Because of this, he will praise the Lord. 
He will keep his eyes always on the Lord, and he knows that with the Lord at his right hand, he will not be shaken. So instead of having the names of other gods on his lips, he praises God and his tongue rejoices. Instead of running after other gods and suffering more and more, his body rests secure in the knowledge that God will not abandon him to the grave. David is content in the present, but at the end of the psalm, his perspective goes beyond the here and now to eternity. God will watch over his Holy One and he will not see decay. Death will not be the end. The Lord is God of life and death. The psalm finishes with a fantastic declaration. God makes known the path of life. David is filled with joy in his presence and with eternal pleasures at his right hand. These are verses that Peter picks up in his address to the crowd on the day of Pentecost, where he explains that David is looking forward to something that he does not fully understand. There is a prophetic element in this psalm that looks forward to Jesus and what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. Directly quotes from the psalm. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. We see that we have a greater inheritance and a greater hope that David could only look forward to. And because of Jesus, that path of life, that joy in the Lord, that eternal pleasure at his right hand, that protection and provision can be our portion. And if that is our reality, then we can truly say that the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places.